Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Primetime on Money FM 89.3, and now it's time to catch up with our friends from the BBC on some of the headlines they're tracking in the week ahead. And we are joined by Audrey Tinline, senior journalist at the BBC. This, uh, well, it's morning there. Uh, good morning to you, Audrey. Hi, good morning, Timothy. Yes, uh, middle of the morning here. I'm looking forward to my coffee break soon. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wind up our day, let's talk about uh, COVID-19 around the world. The numbers are still high with others uh, having lower death rates. I think we're seeing lower death rates across the board. In fact, how is the situation changing uh, the way countries are dealing with vaccines and booster shots from the point of view yeah. of where you are? Exactly. Um, from the point of view where I am, the uh, news is about booster shots, but uh, other parts of the world, as we know, the news is still about uh, vaccines and, and getting hold of any vaccines at all or um, very low rates of vaccination in some countries, sub-Saharan Africa, for example. Um, what we're looking at at the moment is um, that booster shots are starting to be rolled out. They've been rolling them out here in the UK, um, Greece. Uh, in Europe is rolling out a campaign for over 60s and the US had a bit of an argument about this last week between the government and the uh, Centre for Disease Control uh, to say who should we be giving a booster shot to. They've now decided they're going to start rolling it out for everyone over 65 and people older than 50 with underlying medical conditions can also get the booster and uh, the uh, feeling is in the US that it may well be that uh, most adults will get a booster shot. Um, so so that, that's really where we're at at the moment. We're rolling out booster shots here in Singapore as well, Audrey. Now, you know, but there has been some criticism of booster shots being given out in some countries. As you mentioned, there are those that are yet to give a first dose or a full regimen to their population. Are we starting to see anything change regarding that narrative? Well, that's... COVAX scheme, which we are talking about, which mm -hmm. is the vaccine sharing scheme, which was set up by the World Health Organization. Uh, the WHO says it's still not uh, getting as many doses as it wants. The head of the WHO, he's repeatedly denounced what he calls the injustice of this massive imbalance. Um, the United States has uh, just recently said that it's buying 500 million more doses to give away. That will bring the U.S. donation to about uh, 1 billion doses. Uh, China said it will be pledging, it's pledged 2 billion doses by the end of the year. So it's all a bit slower than the WHO wants to see. Other countries here in the UK, uh, more doses have been pledged. France says it will double the number. But the issue is getting those through uh, to the people who need to get those shots. Now, some countries, uh, Audrey, are mandating vaccines for more citizens. Some countries, I believe it's uh, Israel, who will only recognize that you're fully vaccinated if you've already got a booster shot. How will the manage, you think, uh, how will the world, you think, manage all of this, uh, you know, in the long run, where some countries have only two, some countries might have a third jab? What is going to be a fully vaccinated and what's not? Yeah, well, that's going to be the issue, isn't it? When people want to move between countries, that's an issue yeah. of what sort of uh, certification they have to show. Mm -hmm. But uh, within countries, you know, this issue of whether workers should uh, have, whether it's mandatory to have a vaccine to work in, in certain 
sectors. That's very controversial. I mean, if what we're looking at this week is uh, a court case in uh, the United States, New York specifically, NYC uh, state school staff were told that by today they wouldn't be able to work in uh, NYC, Mm -hmm. New York City schools if they hadn't got the jab. But uh, some people protesting against this, so they're taking it to the courts. Uh, This week, a court will decide uh, whether you need a a mandatory jab to be uh, teaching staff or other staff. But at the same time, uh, in New York, hospitals and nursing homes have mandated that you have to be vaccinated. And, uh, you know, the the leadership there in New York City are saying we are prepared to bring in other workers. Uh, If you're not vaccinated, you'll have to uh, move off that frontline healthcare work in care sector. We're speaking with Audrey Tinline, senior journalist at the BBC. Shifting gears now, Audrey, to climate, because we've already had quite a number of discussions in the run-up to COP26. This is coming up in Glasgow in just over a month from now. But what can we expect in the coming week? Well, this week is um, there's a big event going on in Milan in Italy, which mm-hmm. is sort of the partner with the UK on this, uh, where uh, ministers, environment ministers, climate ministers um, from 40 or 50 countries will be meeting, quite a few of them in person, others uh, virtually. And this is really the sort of uh, last chance for them to uh, get their story straight, so to speak, before the big COP26 mm-hmm. meeting in Glasgow. And they're going to be talking about some of those big issues, you know, about um, increasing renewables, uh, reductions in greenhouse gases, but specifically about money. Um, the the uh, developed countries had pledged to spend $100 billion a year in climate finance to help poorer countries um, with a commitment to more in future. But that has not happened yet, and uh, it was meant to happen by 2020. So now the uh, pressure is on to see if they can come up with an agreement, because the thing about COP, when they all meet uh, here in the UK, is there'll be 191 parties to that Paris climate agreement. They all have to agree, Um, and that's going to be very difficult. I mean, so far, the UN has done some research, and they've found that only 113 countries um, have so far submitted updated pledges against Uh, ahead of COP26, so the pledges on what they're going to do on emissions, what they're going to do on funding. So there's a way to go yet. Audrey, the uh, focus uh, is also going to be on what uh, young people want to see happening in terms of climate change. How much input our young young voices are having uh, in this new debate? Well, the UN, um, you know, which is in charge of COP, has said it wants to hear very much so from young people. Mm -hmm. So alongside this meeting in Italy, in Milan this week, they're going to be having a youth climate summit. And the idea originally was that 400 young people from around the world, that's roughly two young people from every nation, would meet. Now, they're not all going to be able to meet in person, but they've been getting their um, voices ready, so to speak, by um, taking part again in these Climate Friday um, protests. We saw those start again on Friday in many cities around the world. Um, And Greta Thunberg, who's been very much a a figurehead for this, the climate activist, um, she'll be at Milan again this week talking to young people And the sorts of things the young people are going to be coming up with their own pledges on and what they want to see are energy transition, green jobs, 
financial flows, that very much so the um, proposals on countries for countries on how to realign these financial flows so that uh, you know money goes from richer countries to poorer countries to help them support a low carbon future. And she's recently said that action has continued to be slow so I guess we'll see what will happen in COP26. COP Audrey, now in other news there's a big court battle this week between the US tech giant Google and the European Union. What's all that about? Well, this is something which actually dates back to 2018 when um, you might remember that the European Commission Mm. um, imposed a record uh, fine on Google, $5.15 billion equivalent fine. Yeah, that was a big one. That was the biggest that's been imposed so far. The point there was this was an antitrust fine and uh, specifically about Android phones and the use of Google apps in there. Um, So what's happening this week is that Google's looking to overturn this. There's going to be a five-day hearing at Europe's second highest court. And this is one of three antitrust penalties totaling more than $8 billion that the Commission has hit Google with between 2017 and 2019. Google's appealing all of those. Okay, so what did the European Commission impose then, this level of fine on Google in the first place? Yeah, as I was saying, you know, the idea was that it was all to do with Android phones. Um, Android phones come preloaded with uh, Google Apps. And the Mm -hmm. competition commissioner at the time, it was Margareta Vestager, um, she issued the fine for, uh, she said there were illegal restrictions on how um, this allowed users to use Android because the uh, European Commission said that if it became preloaded with Google Apps, uh, people would never really bother to get other apps. And that crowded out the market for independent app producers. Um, Google since made a few changes on these, but it's always maintained that it was the case that independent app producers could access Android phones. That's the whole point about this open source platform. And it says it has, um, by coming up with Android, uh, you know, with apps for Android and supporting Android, it's uh, brought down prices for users. And that's going to be its argument. Okay, Audrey, well, thanks so much for sharing all those updates with us this Monday. It's been wonderful to have you back on the show. It's been a while indeed. You stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. We've been speaking with Audrey Tinline, senior journalist at the BBC. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.